Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Notice in verse 3, Elkanah went up from his city, Ramah, to Shiloh, which is about 15 miles if you want to write that in your margin. And the reason he went up was to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. And then the Bible gives us a note. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there at the feast in the temple. Again, in the time when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes, Elkanah is going up to worship. You'll find this phrase, the Lord of hosts, 281 times in the Bible. The first time we find it, it's here in 1 Samuel, that Elkanah was going up to worship the Lord of hosts. The first time we find these words rolling off the lips of someone is in the prayer of Hannah. And we'll read about that in just a few minutes. Now, in ancient Israel, the Lord of hosts is also the Lord of armies, if you're taking notes, the Lord of armies of angels. He's a Lord of multitudes, a Lord of ten thousands of ten thousands of ten thousands of thousands of thousands innumerable. He's a Lord upon multitudes and multitudes innumerable. And at the same time, he's a Lord God who stoops down to a single broken heart. Think about that. He's the Lord of hosts, and he's also the Lord of one. Are you glad about it? I'm glad about it today more than ever. In a culture that we live in and the tension in the earth politically and religiously and militarily, God stoops to one individual life. Anyone, anytime who seeks the Lord can have a private meeting with the Lord. Of ten thousands upon ten thousands upon ten thousands of thousands of multitudes of multitudes. That's a good thing. The rabbis in history says at this time, there was a stone wall around the tabernacle. Now listen to this. The rabbis said there was a stone wall around the tabernacle in Shiloh at, at this time. Instead of that linen fence that would surround the tabernacle, they had built a stone wall. I remember on one of our trips to Israel, we went to Shiloh, and um, I remember from a distance, we were sitting up on this hill looking down, and the, the, um, uh, the guide was pointing out this large rock outline of a tabernacle in Shiloh, the tabernacle of the Lord. It's amazing. You've got to go to Israel. It is just amazing. And you think about it and you're, you're looking at this tabernacle and you're looking at the ruins of this stone wall and, you're, and then you think, man, the Shekinah glory of God dwelt right there. The Lord spoke to Samuel right 
there. You got to go to Israel. It's not too late. Now, in the Bible, Shiloh is a very significant place. Shiloh is a town in Ephraim, and it means tranquil, secure. Are y'all all right? Israel set up the tabernacle in Shiloh because it was a central location so that all the tribes would have access to offer and to sacrifice and to praise the Lord. Joshua 18 verse 1 tells us that the congregation would meet at the tabernacle in Shiloh. The tabernacle remained at Shiloh for many years, but it wasn't a permanent place because hundreds of years later, David moved it from Shiloh to, anybody know? Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was at Shiloh, and God's presence was at Shiloh. And over the years, the people began to believe that as long as the Ark was in their midst, they were the invincible Israelites. Even if they walked and lived in sin, they thought that God was with them. As if some artifact or some religious symbol means that God is with you. There are people today that think that if they wear a cross, they think that God is with them because they wear a cross or they have St. Thomas on their dashboard on a car. They think that God is with them. Some artifact. Israel did that. They believed because they had the ark with them that they could live any kind of way they wanted. And so with that mentality, idolatry began to spread throughout the land and they began to allow men to serve as priests who did not know God. Did you get that? They began to allow men to serve as priests who did not know God. Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who did not honor God. Eli allowed them to serve in the office and the duties of priests. They were evil. They were fleshly. They were carnal. They were corrupt. Even get this, they would allow or they would have sexual relations right there in the tabernacle when women came to worship. Horrible. And here's the problem. Eli knew about it. And because they were his sons, he did nothing about it. How do you know that, Rodney? Well, just turn over, if you will, right in your Bibles. Turn over to chapter 3, verse 13. Go ahead and look at it. Chapter 3, real quick. Chapter 3, verse 13. It tells us just that. God said regarding Eli... For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because what? His sons made, come on y'all, work with me. Because what? His sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. You cannot allow your family to affect the ministry. And it's unfortunate, it happens in the church today. Especially when you know that they're in sin, you must, you're required to act upon that. You're required as a leader, I'm required as a pastor, if I know that something is sinful, I'm going to be held accountable to God. For what happens in Calvary Chapel, don't desire to be many teachers. Don't you know that you will receive the greater condemnation? God judged Eli for that reason. It's unfortunate that we live in a culture where people have an excuse for everything, especially about their children. 
This was written, get this, in 1958 regarding raising children. Listen to this. Begin in infancy to give the child all he wants. In this way, he'll grow up believing the world owes him a living. When he picks up a bad, dirty word, laugh at him as though it were cute. It will encourage him to pick up similar words. Avoid the word wrong. It might hurt his psyche. Don't help him decide between right and wrong, but let him find out for himself. Always take his side against school teachers and the police. Pick up everything after him, shoes, books, clothes, and avoid child labor. Always quarrel in the presence of your children. It will give them experience. Let him read anything he wants and be sure he has plenty of spending money to spend all the time you can away from the house so he can be alone and develop self-reliance. And when they take him to prison, excuse yourself by saying, I did my best, but I couldn't do anything with him. This is the culture we live in. This is how we're raising our children. Parents, we have a responsibility to raise our children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I want somebody to clap your hands there. That's true. I'm right about it. And Eli was a priest and responsible. Are you listening? Responsible to live a consecrated life in the house of God and to lead the things of God in purity and in holiness. And he didn't do that. And not even with his own children. The temple was so fleshly, people didn't even want to come and worship and sacrifice. Although I find it interesting that Elkanah didn't say, you know, I'm not going to worship because look at all those hypocrites and all those priests. These guys allow their sons to do ungodly things. I'm not going to worship. Elkanah didn't say that. People do that all the time, don't they? They stand outside and they say, look at all those hypocrites. Elkanah didn't do that. He said, I'm going to Shiloh to worship the Lord. He understood he was going to Shiloh to worship the Lord. He understood he was going to Shiloh to worship the Lord, not man. You come to church to worship the Lord and not man. Don't ever allow yourself to find yourself coming to church because you want to hear from some man. Don't get me wrong. How will they hear unless there's a preacher? I got you. I feel you. You're right. But you come to church to hear from the Lord, the word of the Lord through that man. Right? Elkanah, Elkanah knew his priorities right. He understood he was coming to sacrifice in spite of Hophni and Phinehas. There in the temple doing the work of God. And he knew it wasn't the work of God, but he kept his attention, his mind on the Lord. Question, why do you come to church? Why do you come to worship? Do you come because of a man or do you come because of God? You got to ask yourself that. Look at verse five. It tells us the Lord closed her womb. You're looking at verse five. It tells us the Lord closed her womb, which tells us conception is in the hands of God. We got to understand that conception and death and birth are only in the sovereign hand of God. God knows the day to be born and God knows the day you'll die. Well, you hear 
You know, on Sunday we talked about in Ecclesiastes 3, the Bible tells us to everything there's a season, a time and a purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to what? Die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. The beginning of your life and the end of your life is already written out. There's a reason her womb was closed because this woman's first son, listen, is going to change the course of the nation institute the Davidic dynasty and make way for the Messiah to come into the world and prepare these chairs tonight for us to come together to listen to the story. That's why our womb was closed. So God is needing to do some work in Hannah before he opens her womb. And think about it. This must be especially painful for her. Penina has children, which means that the problem wasn't Elkanah. She could have thought, well, maybe I can't have kids because he can't. But that's not the case. Hannah knows the problem is with her, not him. All of this is weighing heavy upon her heart and it's very difficult. And verse six tells us Penina, her rival, and Penina provoked Hannah severely and Hannah cried and she didn't eat. Look at verse 10. Fast forward to verse 10. She was in bitterness of soul, soul, sorrowful of spirit. And sometimes she complained. Fast forward to verse 16 and she grieved. Today, she would be diagnosed with BCS, barren child syndrome. Because we got to put letters on everything nowadays. (laughs) Am I the only one that thinks that everything has titles? It's like letters after everything. She's got, well, you know, I've got BCS, barren child syndrome. That title of everything. Penina gave this woman a hard time. Penina was her rival, and I'm sure she was probably jealous. I'm sure when Elkanah wasn't home, Penina gave Hannah the business. The Bible tells us in verse 7, year by year. Penina needed a visit from the girls on the block. Anyways, <laughs> edit, <laughs> edit, because Elkanah loved Hannah more than her. The more Elkanah favored Hannah, the more she became jealous and bitter. Elkanah probably bought Hannah flowers after work. Penina standing there, where's my flowers? That's hilarious. I'd love to be there for that one. Look at verse 8. Let's, let's go forward. Look at verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, this is a great story, y'all. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Ay, ay, ay. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, which kind of indicates there's probably a wall there. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, Notice how many times she says maidservant. And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I'll give him to the Lord. Underline this. All the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart 
Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have not drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. And then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And so the woman went her way and ate, you getting that? And her face was no longer sad. You know, if I could speak to Elkanah, I would tell him, Elkanah, verse eight is a bad move. Okay. You don't ask a woman what's her problem in a situation like this. Are you crazy? He's saying to her, Hannah, why are you crying? What's your problem? I'm giving you flowers. I'm not giving her flowers. Obviously, she knows I like you more. What's the problem? Hey, baby, you got me. And if you got me, you got everything. (laughs) Where my fellas at? (laughs) You got me. You got everything. You don't need nothing else. I'm all you need. What's your problem? Hannah's thinking, Elkanah, you don't get it. You just don't get it. You know, I think of the woman at the well. Jesus told her that she had five husbands, and the man she was currently with is not your husband. Jesus told her, you're drinking at the wrong well. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, lady, you need to come to me. Elkanah, you don't get it. You don't get it. My heart is seeking to connect with the Lord. It's not really about you. I'm the, I, I, it's, not, it's not about you. And we notice in our text that we don't have Hannah's answer to Elkanah's statement, do we? He says, hey, listen, what's your problem? You got me. I'm all you need. Hannah probably is like, whatever. Anyway, there's no answer to the statement. Did you get that? None at all. Verse 9 tells us, after they had eaten and partaken of a sacrifice, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple or the tabernacle. Verse 10 tells us she was in bitterness of soul. This is important. It doesn't say she was bitter at the Lord or at anyone. It says the condition of the soul. She was in bitterness of soul. In other words, you can be worn out in your soul. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can be worn out in your soul. There are days when you say, Lord, where is your love? I need grace. That's the time when you go to the cross and you pray. Verse 10 tells us she prayed to the Lord. Hannah knows where to pour her heart. She poured her heart out to the Lord, not to her husband. Why? Because he wasn't getting it. And also because in this situation, her husband wasn't her help. Her husband couldn't help her. Why? Because he's not God. Ladies, this one's for you. Your husband is not God. I didn't really expect that response. (laughs) I was going to go a whole nother way, but now y'all threw me off. Your husband is not or ever going to be all you need. No man is supposed to be everything you need. Ladies, listen. 
God did not give you a husband to meet your deepest need in your life. Only the Lord Jesus can meet your deepest need in your life. There are some things that God wants you to pour. Listen, there are some things, ladies, that I'm just trying to help you, that's all. There are some things that only God can help you with. And there are some things that God wants you to pour out your heart and your soul to him. You need to be sure that you have a relationship with Jesus. You don't follow the Lord because your husband follows the Lord. You follow the Lord because you love God and you have a relationship with the Lord. And your husband loves God. Somebody need to hear me. Your husband loves God, and he has a relationship with the Lord. So he's following the Lord. And somehow you guys both come together because you're both following the Lord. And then you start following the Lord together. But you can't look. I'll wait. You can't look to your husband to be all that you need. There are certain areas in your life God does not, will not allow your husband to be fulfilling, to be able to fulfill. God didn't design it that way. You need to pour your heart out to him. And even if you were to pour your heart out to your husband, like Elkanah, he wouldn't get it. <laughs> he ain't supposed to get it. Because God wants you to come to him. And ladies, I will tell you, the husbands did not pay me to say that. I just want to go on record to say that. I wasn't paid. Hannah poured out her heart to the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 11. She made a vow and she said, oh, Lord of hosts. Again, the first time these words roll off the lips of a person, she said, Lord of hosts or Lord of angels, Lord of the stars of heaven, Lord of all mankind, Lord of hosts. If you will look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life from the day of his birth. No razor shall come upon his head. Now, listen, this is an incredible vow for a couple of reasons. Number one, because there's a hint that she knows of the story of Samson cutting his hair. Number two, according to genealogy tables, Elkanah or Elkanah was a Kohatite, which means he was a Levite, which means that Samuel was going to be a Levite. Levites served in the temple of the Lord for approximately 25 years. That was their like tour of duty from 25 to 50. And so here Hannah says, Lord, are y'all getting this? I'm not going to give him to you for 25 years. I'm going to give him to you all his life. From the day he's born. I'm going to offer him to you from the day that he's born, the day that he comes as Lord into the world. God, I'll give you this boy from the day of his birth. Now, Hannah's desire, listen, and God's plan have come into harmony. Because in this day of judges, in this day of transition, in this day when every man is doing what is right in his own eyes, God is looking for a man, not from the time he's 30, but God wants a man from birth. God is looking for someone very specific. God is going to use a baby to change the course of a nation, and that baby has to be his from conception. Chapter 2, verse 21 tells us Hannah had four more kids, but this first one belongs to God. Are you getting me? 
Verse 12, while she was praying, look at verse 12. While she was praying, Eli is watching her from a distance and watching her lips move, but no voice was heard by Eli. It was heard by God. This statement is very telling. Keep in mind they're at the tabernacle in Shiloh, and, or the temple in Shiloh, and the temple has become a place, as I told you, of ill repute and flesh and carnality. So Eli looks over at Hannah moving her lips and he thinks she's drunk, which tells us this is the kind of women that were hanging around the temple. She's at the temple praying. No words are coming out of her mouth. It was John Bunyan who said it is better to have a heart with no words than words with no heart. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Verse 14, look at it. She's praying in her heart. Eli says, how long are you going to be drunk? Verse 15, Hannah says, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I'm not pouring anything into a glass. I'm pouring out my soul to God. She said, don't look at me like one of these women hanging around here. I'm pouring out my heart to God. Eli must have felt real stupid about this point. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.